Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hipfire Podcast. So today we have a special episode, a special guest in Gersh, or formerly known as Von Harleet. Uh, he's now taking over control of the Western Social and has done a great job there and has been all active on Twitter and everything. He's been putting out a lot of great content, including, as you guys see on the screen right here, nice little resume portfolio kind of thing, which looks super clean, by the way. Um, so that. Gersh, uh, how's it going? How are you doing with everything? Dude, it's going great. Um, for sure, craziness hasn't stopped since last year. But um, when I do get a moment to to sit down and talk with the with the homies, like it's it's all come comes with great value. Uh, I got a special place in my heart for you guys, not only because like I've gotten to know you guys through conversation, but also just the fact that you know this is actually the first podcast I was ever ever on. Uh, I know you mentioned like before this episode, uh, before we started recording. Last time I was on here, I was a uh, Vonderhaar elite, which was <laughs> completely different, different era, completely different time. But regardless, like it's 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 great to be here, dude. Yeah, man. Um, as you mentioned, yeah, you're Vonderhaar elite now. Now uh, everyone knows you as Gersh. You're this social media guru, and I don't think people give, uh, or at least I feel like we should give you a lot of credit for what you've been able to accomplish. Because truly, before the season, I don't think. Uh, I've ever witnessed anyone really connect with a team like uh, people have connected with Wester. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the community you guys have built, um, the relationship with the fans, the way that people like to support you guys. I think it's a lot of credit has to be done to you and the other social media team in general and what you've been able to accomplish. So, you know, hats off to you because you guys have killed it in that aspect. And I, we know for sure that if any CDL team, uh, you know, would be lucky to have you, man. So just wanted to give you props for that. I appreciate that, man. Um, for sure, I don't. I don't have anything, or I, like I can't say I have everything figured out. It's just a matter of learning as I go, and when things are successful, um, you know, it's just taken to heart. Um, but hopefully, things just end up for the better. So, yeah, <laughs> I, pre- I appreciate the love, guys. Yeah, no worries, man. But uh, moving forward, obviously, uh, this past week has been a bit crazy, uh, as we've seen lots of teams start of you know uh, tool themselves up. You know, compete in this arms race as they, you know, strive to be the top team in the CDL. And we're seeing a lot of players from the Challenger scene get picked up. And mm-hmm. hence we have this rookie invasion. Obviously, Standy, Diamond Con, Insight, Paul, Venom, and Fire, and Neptune are the seven rookies that we now have in the CDL this season. And there could be more from what we've heard and from what it seems like as teams, you know, start to take stock and realize that maybe the team that they constructed at the beginning of the year wasn't enough. Um, mm-hmm. Looking at Seattle as the next team potentially to do that, but uh, we'll touch on that later. Um, but obviously, Gersh, you obviously uh, had a relationship with both Paul and Venom, being that they played for Wester. Um, how proud of you of these guys? Uh, did you always envision them being able to play as soon as this year? And uh, what do those two guys bring to uh, a CDL team? Honestly, very, very proud. Like, I don't think I've ever gotten the opportunity to connect with players. Um, then I like I don't I've, I haven't had a better opportunity to do so since uh, I've had a Wester. Um, I think like getting to know the guys, work with them one on one, has been amazing. Um, also, getting a sense of like how hard they work to, I mean, fulfill the dream that, that they've gone towards. We've had some pretty deep conversations in the Wester chat uh, between myself, Paul, Venom, Zap, all the guys, um, and that's that's not forgetting about Gravity and uh, Phoenix, though they're no longer with the team. Um, so it's it's really like it's really motivating to see them um, fulfill their dreams. And 
I mean, also really heartwarming getting to know those players on that personal level and seeing them finally like be able to execute it. Um, even better when I see a guy like Paul Frying <laughs> out there in the scene. Um, but yeah, like at the end of the day, I just want the best for them. And I think there's a lot of, lot of young talent out there. Um, getting to be in that challenger's environment has just shown me like firsthand how saturated the scene is with talent. Um, not only because of like the people coming up, but because of the fact that um, 4v4 and no expansion has just made it so the league is really competitive, but then where all those players ended up um, having to go once they were dropped uh, in the challenger's environment is just even more so competitive. If you want to get to the top, you have to go against former pros and people that are trying to become coaches too in the challenger scene. Like look at a guy like Denz. Um, it's it's kind of like mayhem, but it's it, whoever comes out on top just does amazing. So yeah, I'm just glad to be a part of it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's a good point to speak on you know, the level of talent is uh, it's not very often we see these challenger players come up and perform poorly. In fact, most often they're the superstars of the team. I mean, just thinking of the plays Diamond Con's been able to make insight uh you know obviously an insane rookie debut breaking the snd kill record paul joins london and they win their first matchup um and you know we've seen what fire and neptune have been capable of throughout the season so yeah i think it's definitely speaks to the talent that we have currently in the challenger scene um obviously venom is going to be replacing temp who joins your western lineup which is a mm -hmm. pretty pretty interesting swap right there um uh, Venom, incredibly talented kid. I, I know Seth and I have been singing his praises for quite some time now. Um, in my opinion, he was the most talented player to come out of NA Challengers uh, this this year. Um, I think what he was capable of with that SMG um, and that sort of support sub role in, in pretty much every game mode, he was lighting up the stab board and was making incredible plays. And this is one of the big reasons they were so successful this year. So uh, I personally think that he'll be... Um, going to help 100T play a lot better than they have been. Um, I know they're going through some role changes right now, but uh, Seth, what have you what have you made on Venom joining 100T? I know you talked about it or wrote an article for Breaking Point about it, so uh, share some wisdom with us. Yes, yeah, so I wrote an article for Breaking Point on Venom being picked up, and I went pretty deep into his gameplay and took a lot of look at the VODs, and there's a couple of things I noticed with him specifically, and uh, Gershie probably noticed the same things as well. Uh, but it's his it's a his aggression, but also like knowing when to be aggressive. Like he mm -hmm. doesn't he has an off switch as well. Like he'll play slow for spawns and play for control as well as playing fast and in, in your face. And the fact that he can do both is is pretty great. Uh, this map is specifically on crossroads where it's still the old version of crossroads with the, the terrible hill. Uh, but he basically jumps up on hop up and his entire team dies. And you know, the typical faster guess of sub might just fly out and get killed as well. But Venom plays it slow, gets two kills, flips spawns, and flips the hill for the team. And like that kind of moment just for me spoke a lot to Venom. Um, and then another thing I noticed with him is I don't know if this is like a random thing or, or if he is like caught, it's this is like a skill, but he seems to always be in really good positions for gunfights. Like he always seems to be challenging things on like a really good angle or like behind cover. Yeah, like he always seems to try to take a favorable advantage of a lot of his gunfights, which is what makes him a great player as well. And what makes the plane such a good place for him to play. He is like a dominant force on that map, I'll check me. And every game mode. And what I've noticed a lot is like just the way he plays around plane wings and jumps up and down and hides behind the little walls. Like his movement in the plane is is spectacular. 
and he's produced like countless pieces, three pieces and two pieces of the plane. Just something I noticed that's kind of small, but yeah, I think his aggression, intelligence, and then positioning is it was all what makes Venom a great player. And like also what makes him a great player, regardless of what team picks him up, I think his his kind of play style translates pretty well with what 100 Thieves are looking for. So I think it'll be a good a good swap for the team, and I'm excited to see him out there. Yeah, I think Mud Dog put it best when he said, um, "Venom's just a guy that knows how to play his life." Um, and that's just like people people take that example and, and instantly go for, of course, respawn limited game modes to just search and uh, and control. But I think hard point too, what you mentioned about Venom always knowing the right positions to be in, whether it's catching someone off rotation or whether it's um, knowing where to insert himself towards a push towards a hill. Like it's it's kind of insane to see him on the map, and it's just like as as a viewer thinking about like holy crap like how did he end up here and like why is he how how does he just end up in the perfect situation i think that's just a matter of his uh his experience with the game and being able to just navigate situations pretty well um yeah, yeah dude like he's he's a force on the map um <laughs> it's funny because like we or we were talking about this uh, amongst the the Western staff like venom's such a wholesome like not really out there kind of guy, and he's going to a team like uh, Thieves where they're focused on content. Um, but yeah. I think he's, I think he's really happy with where he is. Like we were all laughing when we saw um, him flashing the screen their announcement video, like arms crossed, big smile on his face. So only the best for him to come, dude. <laughs> yeah, for yeah, sure. really, really happy for him. But uh, moving to the other rookie that we saw get picked up uh, not too long after, obviously Standy, uh, incredible, uh, incredible player from the Challenger scene. Um, you know he's. He's actually had uh, you know, quite the couple uh, of weeks recently. I mean, um, just take it back a couple of weeks ago, um, he was still on that Triumph roster, uh, a roster that you know hadn't wasn't able to crack into the Elite Series at, at its first try. One of the biggest things about that roster was their lack of composure um, in uh, you know moments at the end of games. Like I can't even count on the you know the fingers. Uh, on my hand, how many times this team would choke at the end of hard points, at the end of controls, at the end of SNDs. They just were not able to close out the series to win their life. And you could start to see it weigh on these guys. Um, uh, you, when you have a team like Fellow, Royalty, uh, in general, and Standy, I mean, all those players have aspirations of becoming a pro and have either been a pro at one point in their life or are close to it. And, and clearly they weren't on the same page. So Fortunately, he was allowed to play with this new, you know, fantastic four lineup that is really taking the elite series by storm with, you know, guys like Sib, uh, previously Jimbo, now Decimate uh, as well, and Draza now. Uh, they were played incredibly. Uh, I think it was in Cup 9, if I'm not mistaken, that they ended yep. up winning. Dandy went lights out. I think at a 1.27 or 2-2. I can't remember the exact numbers uh, off the top of my head. But he was lights out for that roster throughout the entire Grand Finals. Honestly, it should have ended a lot sooner than it did. But uh, NYSL Academy did a great job of clutching up in key moments. Um, so well-deserved call-up. I think what a lot of people have an issue with is is who he ended up replacing. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people obviously respect Major Maniac, respect his talent and his intangibles, and especially what he brings to a game like SD that you know, was really the bread and butter of this Minnesota Rocker team. And people say, like, why wasn't a guy like Lamar dropped? Because Lamar didn't exactly have the greatest stats. And, um, you know, one of the biggest uh, criticisms of this roster was how slow it was playing. And Lamar is a big part of that. 
Um, so I want to get your guys' thoughts. Did, did you agree with the, the decision of Major Maniac, or did you think it should have been Lamar? Well, I, I just, even not even talking about that, but even just Sandy and Priest's swap, like, I don't necessarily, I'm not confident that it solves the pacing issue, to be, to be honest, because, like, Sandy can show aggression, and he has for sure, but thinking back to last year, one thing that stood out for Sandy to me was actually how similar he was to a guy like Attach. Like, he seemed to be a bit more of a methodical sub-player that wasn't, like, cracked and just played the right way. And sometimes I called, like, sometimes he just had to play against slower play style last year. Like, I know he sped it up this year a little bit, but I'm still not super confident that it's really going to fix the, the pacing on the team. I think Priest as a flex might help a little bit with, with that, but yeah, to, to your point with Lamar, I don't think it really makes a difference which one you put in and put out. I think that they they might still have pacing issues going forwards because, yeah, I'm not I'm not sold on understanding attached duo something something about that that like sub pairing just bothers me. So you think sure there should have been a difference that they pick up? I think honestly it, it's, it seems weird, but I would have rather had seen like Venom and Standy switch places. I think that would have benefited both teams if they just like one for one swapped. But that I don't know. It's just a nitpicky thing. I well, think Sandy I'll might play... have fit better with Hunter Thieves and Venom might have fit better with the Rocker. I'm going to play devil's advocate real quick because I have been like thinking about this a lot. I had a long discussion about it uh, on stream the other day. Um, so, I mean, first of all, like a thousand percent, dude. Any team any team out there wanted Venom, but I think uh, Thieves yeah. are smart to pick him up <laughs> yeah, as sure. fast as they did. But for Sandy, um, I mean, when, when, when we say he's stepped up his pace this year, I think that shouldn't go unnoticed because he stepped it up by a lot. Um, and we saw that like specifically when he got off triumph, was able to go on fantastic four and uh, kind of flourish in, in his natural nature alongside other players without the limitation of um, the kind of the play style that triumph were adapting earlier. But um, I think I can't, I can't really speak on rocker's decision um, on their behalf, but I do kind of have my thoughts about it. And a majority of it is just the fact that like this game works in a really, really oddly specific way, which is kind of it's found the perfect balance between having those cracked entry subs and having those slower methodical ARs, which is why like without Standy, um, even in their prior performances, Rocker were the number two search and destroy team. And that's just a matter of having those players like Lamar, who actually was a clear standout in uh, in search, being able to use his natural play style, which happens to be slower and more methodical. Um, come out on top. So I think that might have been a motivation as to why Rocker didn't want to just say, like, oh, Lamar, uh, you're not showing up in, in response. I mean, yeah, you're great out search. Um, we're going we're gonna to let you out. Um, and I think for them, they're trying to achieve that balance too. So moving attached to kind of that secondary role, having Standy be the, the correct entry sub, and then kind of letting everyone play around him uh, might be the move. But with that said... There's another side to it. Like you've got a guy like Major Maniac who was literally with the league's two most cracked subs last year uh, on phase. So pace, pace is a whole team. Like clearly you should have kept a Major Maniac on, but um, I think, I think for them, it is just like keeping that 25% um, more tactical and slower approach through, uh, through keeping Lamar on the roster. Yeah. Um, obviously people uh, will point to friendships and, and whatnot is the reason uh, you can make that argument. Um, personally, I, I don't think, and, and I think with all the rookie calls up, it's it's pretty evident that 
friendships no longer play as big a factor when it comes to these roster decisions. These organizations don't spend all this all this money to lose, as as I mentioned at the beginning of the segment. You know, they can't really risk risk that anymore. They, they got to perform, and as a result, it doesn't matter who's your friend, who's not. It's a matter of what roster can you build that's going to compete for championships at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. If that means it's with Lamar, then it's with Lamar. But you know, time will tell for sure. Um, I, I personally think that um, with regards to the roster, I think pacing was an issue. I also think decision-making w- was a big issue with, with the team, just in general. I mean, there were certain moments like just referencing the flank when they'd break down the Rockers games, they'd mention how there were certain moments where you, you didn't see Rocker players, you know, wrap back to spawn or they'd all be pushing the same sort of angle and just small things like that, that really hindered their team. And I think a guy like Standy, a new fresh perspective could do them a lot of good, but you know, that, that, you know, should wrap up her segment on Standy, obviously incredible player should be interesting to see how these teams do. Obviously, uh, I think Seth, you mentioned earlier that he's sort of thrown to the fire, getting put against Optic and and Dallas in his first couple of matchups, yeah, which, which kind of suck. I think to end this rookie segment, I want to get your guys' thoughts. At the end of the year, you don't have to pick one of these players, but who do you have as your rookie of the year? Ooh, I like I how mean, you said you don't have to pick yeah. one of these players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gary has got a, a tough decision here. For sure, I think. Part of that's part of that's the. I mean, I'm not holding any Western bias, but to me, it depends what they judge it off of. Like, even with the uh, with MVP decisions, there's the whole balance between like personal talent, but also team impact. Um, right. I mean, team impact. I think for sure, like Paul would be the clear winner because he's elevated the way um, the way Ravens have been playing, and mm-hmm. um, they actually have hopes for the season. Like with the changes they made, not only him but also Zed coming in and. Yeah. Um, whatever they're doing with with their play style, but rookie of the year, I think, just based off of how it was last year, is going to be um, circumstantial to whichever team comes out on top in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that's not so much Ravens, um, just because they're like at at this point in time, they're not really at the top. Um, it would have to be either Rocker, who've kind of had a history of dominating earlier on the season. And then also Paris, I think, is a, is a huge sleeper this year. Mm-hmm. Paris, I think, are just a few key decisions away from... Um, they've, they've choked so many maps. Exactly. Bro, it's they're, they're a few key decisions away from being a top team. And it's 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 standing out. Like, uh, the, the, the fact becomes apparent when you have them playing Empire um, this coming week and having people actually question, oh, are, are Empire going to be able to beat Paris, who've shown out in good form? Um so to me, I I am believing in um, a tough decision again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I put, okay, I'm sorry, I put you guys on the spot here. No, I think I think I'll uh... oh, because there's insight too. Shoot, <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. Here, I I can go first if you guys. No, I think I got it. I think it's gonna have to be um, be Rocker, and I said because I believe in Paris, but I think Rocker have the the star potential surrounding um, Standy and. Uh, Sandy's also my guy, you know, I'm like fire. He follows me on Twitter. So, uh, but uh, <laughs> no, no um, I, I believe in Sandy. I think I've seen uh, a lot out of him that I can speak on behalf of. So, yeah, it's, that's fair. Yeah. Right, that's very good. So how about you, Seth? So my heart is always going to lean Hydra. He's not even picked up yet, but, oh my God, um, <laughs> but I actually think it'll be Venom. So, I believe that once they figure out the T, the TJ Kenny flex situation, which I think 
personally, Kenny should be flexing. Um, but once they figure that out and and you know practice more with the team and get everything going, I think that's that roster is it's so talented. They have to be competing for championships. Like there's no other you know option. Like they mm-hmm. have to be that good. I think they will be, and I think we'll see it stand out from Venom's perspective. I think like we'll see that his aggression really made that much of a difference, and also you know play style for 100 thieves. Yeah. And once they start bringing in chips, he'll be the rookie of the year. All right, you you kind of you kind of give away my answer, but I, I'm going off the board. I'm going with Hydra. I know this is a, definitely a hot take because he's not even in the league right now, and no one knows when. But believe me when I say uh, we've seen him dominate EU challengers um, at times. We've seen him already in an A and playing various different roles. I mean, I know with he's an AR. Like, yeah, mm. with the QBZ. I don't know if he's oh, even the main AR off. now these days, which is kind of wild, and it, and it's a, it's a, a debate in its own why New York would be okay with having their star player play uh, an AR role when, I mean, unless things have changed, from my understanding, they always wanted him to be a sub player for their roster. Um, yep. So maybe maybe that has changed, but they're having him on the air now. That kid is talented. I don't believe New York is going to go the entire season without him on their lineup. In fact, I feel like stage two is going to be the last time we see this current iteration of New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless they win because honestly if you're not winning with this current lineup then clay's a winner clay's not gonna let like you know stand for this he's, he's a winner he's also this. i was gonna say he's a winner he's also dropping crazy numbers like you're wasting well not wasting yeah. but like clay's playing like that well right now that it's it's generally a possibility to be taking home championships he's that, like, you know, dude, yeah all I'm saying is Yasser woke up today and chose to speak facts. Like, <laughs> think okay, think think about subliners. Who is their biggest limitation? This isn't hating on him. It's just speaking the truth. The truth. Biggest limitation happens to be Mac, yeah. right? I now, yeah. I mean, Asim, yeah, he has his moments, and he's not someone you really want to throw out of the roster right now because of the the star potential he's shown this season and his adaptation to this game, which could come back with a with a new meta. I mean, we're supposed to have the the patch coming out. Yeah. Um, this week, so you never yeah. know. But I think for Mac, who of course does operate in that AR semi flex role, um, going out of the roster potentially might be why they're having Hydra practice the AR right now. And I mean, you never know. Like it would it would make sense, right? It's it's yeah. unusual for Hydra to be on the AR otherwise, but they're not taking out Clay. Um, they're not taking out Asim, right? Um, so it would just have to be Mac. What's weird though is is that's yeah it's a good point you make but what's weird also is that Asim's also been running the AR as well at times, mm-hmm. so like on checkmate right so it's like it's just weird because if you it's just it, I guess it depends I'm, I'm sure they'll scream a lot and figure it out but mm-hmm. it's it's I think it's do you want the sub duo of Hydra and Asim with you know one of them being able to flex at, at times for third AR or do you want it to be Hydra and Mac I think I think what they should do in their scrims and in practice, it's just like swap them in and out and just try to see which which kind of duo has the best chemistry together and then roll with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because, yeah, yeah he, he has to play eventually. It, it, yeah, it's, it's, such a, it's such a tough decision on who to bring out. I think it's part of the reason why they haven't made that decision yet is because, you know, every player on the roster has a case for why they should be on that roster, as Clay's mentioned in the past, and why they're upset hearing after every match, oh, when's Hydra coming, when's Hydra coming? I understand that obviously is frustrating to do when you're, you're playing pretty well, but at the end of the day, this kid is extremely talented. He can take this New York roster at, to that next level, in my opinion, to the point where they can actually challenge a team like Baze if they're you know, firing all cinders. 
cylinders, which I mean, right now Fagus looks untouchable at, at the moment. But um, mm-hmm. you know, speaking of the CDL teams, uh, let, let's get into it. Obviously, we had the beginning of stage two, uh, just the first week. You know, there there was a lot of takeaways. I actually wrote my first article for Breaking Point. You know, shameless plug uh, yes, about sir. the first takeaways, which is a uh, pretty cool. Fingers. But um, yes, sir, you love you love to see it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I want to get your opinions, Gersh. Obviously, favorite team, uh, team want to work with Dallas Empire. Mm-hmm. They ended up going one and zero. Obviously, not the greatest match. You'd expect them to beat Seattle pretty convincingly. Uh, it went all the way down to, if I'm not mistaken, around eleven against Seattle. Italy having to clutch up. So Dallas, in general, haven't been looking up to par. Uh, what have you seen from them? What do you think is the reason for their um, sort of shortcomings thus far? Well, dude, first and foremost, I agree. Like, people think of me as someone that's always going to, like, uh, say, dude, no, Dallas is goaded, blah, blah, blah. No, dude, like, Dallas are clearly struggling this season. Um, but I will say, like, I don't I don't think Surge have significantly improved, um, given that given that 3-2 uh, narrow victory that, that Dallas had. Um, yeah, like, they have improved. Of course, the Gunless um, being or off of PS4. Which I'm pretty sure he was on before, uh, having having that 240 hertz, whatever. Um, like they, no, they're for, they're for sure improved, but I don't think they're at the level where you can say, "Oh, dude, maybe Surge aren't going to make a change. Um, they aren't going to drop someone or pick up someone." Because um, all of a sudden, like they they want they took two maps off Dallas. No, dude, Dallas have clearly been struggling this season. Like you you think back to when they um, when they had to reverse sweep London. Like again, that's that's London who <laughs> yeah. who. Up until a few days ago, we're, we're um, like winless. So it's I think Dallas are giving a lot of people the benefit of the doubt, and they they kind of need to tight tighten up their ship um, and be more convincing in, in the way they operate things. And it does bring me to um, a tweet that Krim had about Clay um, Clay's mindset, saying like Clay, I don't know how you how you find it so easy to be like a hundred percent during pool play um, because Krim was Krim was voicing his side of things, saying. Um, he only like, gets like locked in mentally when it comes to um, like a major tournament, and I think we saw that from Dallas. Like the only convincing um, series we've seen from them were that three zero against Thieves and yep. the dominant performance they had, of course, mm-hmm. leading up to the grand final versus Phase. Um, so we're back to pull play. We're back to Dallas being really questionable in in their impact, um, and just like only speaking about Dallas, I think. Yeah, it's it's just a matter of I think coaching, but also adapting to another new meta that we're potentially going to have and um, feel, getting getting a feel for things. Um, and I say that because you look at Dallas last year, and I'm talking a lot about about Dallas right now. But just final point, like yeah, you look at Dallas last year, like it took them time to figure things out. Um, not having the hottest start, Shotzi being um, you know complained about heavily by a majority of CDL fans. And once they did figure things out with a consistent meta, of course, Modern Warfare not having um, too many patch patches or updates or repetitive GAs. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, it, it got to a point where Dallas, Florida, all of them just got a grip and were able to dominate. So it's it's only a matter of time before Rambo, who is one of the greatest minds in Call of Duty, just sits down, looks at what's happening, and is able to adapt to it. And I'm not cutting Dallas out by any means, so... Yeah, no, I, I, I 100% agree with everything you said. Uh, they're a team that, you know, we'll, they'll figure it out. I, I have no worries about that. I think the only thing that really stood out to me when looking back at um, how they were performing statistically 
uh, S and D, you know, S and D was a really strong game mode for them last year. And it, I felt it, that was the game mode that when they went against, went up against a team like Atlanta, that was the game mode that was going to really stand out to see if Dallas could take an S and D off them. Cause if they did, they were a team that historically strong enough in the respawn to be able to defeat phase. Um, but their S and D this year hasn't been uh, as dominant as expected. They're only nine and eight uh, in the game mode. So they're not negative, but they're not exactly um, as strong as we've seen them and expect them to be. Um, specifically, I think a guy like Illy, a guy obviously a big fan of, I'm a big fan of Illy. Obviously, he's renowned for his S&D. Uh, and this season thus far, it really hasn't been all that strong. He's a 0.8 in the game mode, lowest first blood percentage on the team. Um, obviously, as of late, we've seen him clutch multiple 1v3s um, um, in that Seattle series. So maybe he's starting to find his form and find his footing in that game mode. But I just found that, you know, something really interesting because he really was the driving force behind their S&D at times last year. And um, it doesn't seem to be the case this year. And as a result, we haven't seen it perform up to par, but. Uh, well, I think so. Also cut in for a second there. Cause I think yeah, go ahead. part of, part of the reason why that might be the case is the way the S&D is played in this game without smokes. And I'm going to keep talking about this until the smokes get back. Yeah. <laughs> without snipers. Yeah. Because like, like you mentioned before, Rocker were the, one of the best S&D teams, right? But we look at their stats more closely not like one player on their team has a really high proficiency for first bloods in fact they're one of the one of the lowest teams in, in getting first bloods like the bottom three in getting first bloods but they're the second best team in converting when they do get first blood which to me means that like you mentioned with their slow play style and search they wait for a pick if they get the pick they win the round if they don't get the pick they lose the round and that's just like a it's not like a bad way to play search it does make sense to play with life advantage of course but it just seems like it's so reactionary and not proactive enough. Like mm-hmm. they don't have a player going out and getting first bloods, like you have with like Chicago and Envoy, right? So it's just or I think S D on yeah. some maps specifically too, is just like really stale. And dude, so like so scratch what I said earlier, because I think both of you guys woke up today and chose to speak facts. Like what we're, <laughs> what we're talking about right here about like the the impact first bloods have had on on the S and D game this year, that's mm-hmm. significantly like affected teams when when snipers got taken out and i'm saying this like looking at wester dude wester weren't as good once um paul x wasn't able to you know hit that sniper mid lane on moscow um and pick people off like right off right off the bat so um it's it's definitely a weird year not having snipers and i think like if people people like to dismiss dallas last year for um having the whole online circumstance like i think this year whether it's challengers whether it's the pro league i think like the absence of snipers is a huge effect on um, and a huge asterisk on on the gameplay. But there's there's players that clearly have integrated snipers into their game, like a uh, simp. I mean, Illy too on uh, on on Piccadilly and yep, so and so last year. Like it's it's it was it was a big integral part of the game. And players like that aren't going to be at their hundred percent. And once they are this year, it's going to be with them having adapted to um, other things over time. I mean, simp has the has a pure talent to rock with anything this year but yeah. um well, yeah, know, it's, like, it's adds more complexity to search because right now like if you play on checkmate either you push the plane or you push a get a first blood and then push and then push the plane it's mm-hmm. that's two it's two strats that's all you can do <laughs> there's, exactly. there's not much else you can do like it's just it's really stale in the current iteration and i think it makes it hard for a player like illy or even like envoy at times like guys who are supposed to make plays in snd are finding a really finding it really difficult too because it's not you don't have that much license to do so. 
It's just much more difficult. I, I don't know how much of an excuse that is, because clearly FaZe has found a way to do it, though. Like FaZe, so FaZe, FaZe actually convert the most first bloods. So when they get first blood, they, they have the best team at converting their Well, their yeah, rounds. there's converting, but they also get more first bloods than anyone else. They right? do, because, well, Abizi is just, I don't know what you do with that. He's so fast. He's, 20, he's so yeah, fast. He, he pushes things he shouldn't push. Like, that's just different, man. <laughs> he just catches teams off guard. Their offense is by far the best, like, offense in yep. terms of they, all. They figured it out. That's true. Yeah, they... They've got it down to a T. They know how to play off each other. They know how to mm-hmm. play together. Abizi is extremely aggressive. And because he has such a high proficiency for getting first blood, it opens up everything for that team. So, you know, like, I understand that it is tough to be creative in this type of S&D, but clearly FaZe has found a way. That's so true. I, I don't know if that's a... I mean, you can make an argument for that. But um, I think another team I want to talk about... Uh, up- talked about a bit in the past uh many people want to know i'm a big ultra fan mm-hmm. and also you know I'm, I'm a very big critic of them as well you know i don't give them slack and obviously the performance against phase was quite demoralizing to watch and to witness um on many levels and i part of it was i mean when you heard in the communication they sound they came out flat they sounded depressed they sounded like they didn't want to be there and that was the first map of the series and then it really carried on throughout the rest of it where they really didn't look like they were even close to a match uh, against FaZe. They didn't contest them at all. Uh, it looked like they reverted back to the old seam store distress they used to have where um, they weren't really recognizing map pressure whatsoever. Um, inside really couldn't impact the game whatsoever. Uh, and you see it even with their scrims as of late where teams are calling out that Ultra seem to be playing for kills more often. And I think one guy got to call out his Bants. You know, he, he's mentioned that his performance hasn't been up to par, and I think part of that is is definitely true. I mean, we've seen him shoot circles sometimes, and um, I know everyone shoots circles sometimes and their shots off, but I've seen Bants do it a couple more times than I'd like to uh, like to admit. Um, and in particular, I mean, he's the SD shot caller for this roster, and um, although SD has been their strongest game mode, there are certainly times where they've had to rely on incredible individual play in order to keep them in SD. I think part of that was their Miami against. Uh, uh, hundred thieves on map five. They had insight all the way on map on, sorry, a bomb site alone, practically getting two pieces and three pieces. And thanks to that, they were able to convert on a lot of those rounds. If he doesn't do that, if he gets picked, think of how different that S and D plays out because they probably end up losing six one or six two. But because he was able to finesse his life and get so many picks, it allowed uh, Ultra to have a chance. Meanwhile, on B bomb site, you got Benjamin Bance and Inst- or Kleenex standing on top of each other, top purple, doing oh God, God knows what and getting picked together, which is <laughs> absolutely infuriating. But um, oh. that roster, obviously, owned two. Uh, I don't, they don't really have um, easy matches going, uh, you know, going throughout the rest of this week. I mean, they did get Phase and 100 Thieves out of the way, but they still have New York. They have, you know, LAG, who, you know, has is a tough team to play against given their S&D. They have, you know, this new London Royal Ravens team that really looks uh, to be a lot stronger than uh, they were in the first split. So it's it's a tough go for the Ultra. Uh, I think that they really should consider looking in for a team change um, for, for Vance. Um, not that it'll fix all their issues like Insight was supposed to with Methods, but clearly the way that they play fundamentally is just not it. But that's just that's just my opinion of the Ultra. Yeah, they have a couple of different things, you know, like like you mentioned with Vance, it's not even just like the occasional gunfight that he shoots weird in. It's also like he plays in corners and sits in weird spots. It's like 
Play Freddy. with the team. Shout Don't out sit to Freddy, in the credits. Oh my god, he played so many credits. <laughs> um, there's that, and also Cami just chows everything right now. I think it, it might be one of those things where, like you mentioned, where the comms are just kind of terrible and they're not really feeling great in the map. And Cami will just start chowing literally every gunfight. It's like slow down a little bit because you're just losing a lot of them. It's just like I think he's trying to match Toby's aggression, maybe, and it's just not working. I don't know what it is, but I noticed that a couple times where he's just like taking gunfights that he's not going to win and that don't impact the, the map and don't make a difference. So why are you taking it in the first place? Um, but I, yeah. like like you mentioned, I don't know. There's there's still a talented enough roster where they can definitely pull off an upset against New York. It's not out of the question, and they can still technically finish third in the group. It's just a tough group, and like we keep talking about the way which group is tougher. And I know like we sided with A, and that's like not what the community thinks, but I think like because every team can beat everyone in Group A except for obviously Phase, as outside of Phase, that to me makes it seem like it's just so hard to get third in this group. So I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm not super keen on the Ultra. I'm a little worried. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely going to be a tough go for them in Stage Two. But uh, to end off the the pod, uh, obviously because we're all very invested in the uh, Challenger scene, I want to get you guys' thoughts on how the. Elite Series Stage 2 has been. Obviously, Nagurs, you guys must have been very busy with all the roster changes going mm-hmm. on. Um, what, do, what do you make of uh, Temp joining the roster? Have you been able to interact with them at all? Uh, yeah. Talk to him? Dude, we didn't even get into any of the Western stuff. Like, it's crazy to think about all that happened just, <laughs> what, two weeks, three weeks ago? Um, yeah. March 1st was, like, when all the Hastro, uh, Hastro Courage, oh, Nade yeah. Beef happened. Oh, and then Jesus, literally yeah. that night, like, 2 a.m. my time was... Um, when the whole Wester stuff kicked off. I mean, credit credit to the guys like we've all since recovered and everything's good at Wester. There was never like a, an issue. Um, it was just, you know, the way things roll in Challenger sometimes. People get dropped, people get picked up and um, they're in their groove right now. Haggy, uh, an OG on the team is is back and running. Uh, he's got a lot of Wester pride. And when it comes to temp, um, Wester are for sure um, not at their 100% right now. And I think that's just a matter of like, them not having as much practice. Um, so the issue was, um, and this isn't like any intel or any leak, because Parasite literally just said this on stream just now. Um, yeah. So Venom wasn't allowed to uh, to state like his his move to the starting roster on Thieves um, until what like Friday, I believe. So until until Friday, and um, everyone when things got announced on uh, on Monday. Um, like Wester, the Wester guys didn't actually know um, that shoot Venom's going to be leaving, and we're going to have to get find a fourth. So that kind of threw like all the potential practice they could have gotten out the window. And people out there will hear this and, and think like, "Oh, but aren't they like buddies? Like, why wouldn't they say this?" Um, entire Challenger scene has been kind of like, um, not silent, but like cautious about things. Um, of course the the whole Paul and Venom um leaks were internal through like a scrim chat so you know it is kind of like a thing you gotta you gotta watch out for um but yeah venom's in a better spot and temp has been like one of my favorite cod personalities dude is just hilarious so it's glad to have him on the western team um yeah i have gotten to interact with him um i've gone to uh, incorporate his personality into the western twitter as well we posted the video of him uh um and it's great to have him on, but someone had a comment on uh, on our temp announcement talking about how like Wester's literally been um, swapping pros with the league because we had <laughs> Parasite come in for Paul, and now it's been a uh, 
temp for Venom. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing who we get next. <laughs> are you are you worried yeah. at all about a about Haggy and Temp team together? Because that's no, no. Okay. I think pure right. comedy, man. <laughs> I know it's comedy, but like, oh, like I could just speaking, picture an argument uh, breaking out already. <laughs> no, speaking. Dude. Go ahead. Like, no, I was gonna say speaking. Speaking of Wester, um, we've seen another account pop up lately uh, that seems to be. Your new rivals. Oh, yeah. I know people would have thought this year NYSL Academy was your rivals, maybe uh, Fantastic Four, but no, I, I think Easter, uh, you know, the, <laughs> the team that, that goes by that brand, Gravity, John, Jordan, fellow, obviously, Gravity and Phoenix, uh, having previously been on Wester, there obviously is that uh, rivalry there. All, all love, but they, they, uh, they had a Twitter account come out today, you know, with some very interesting tweets that uh, were very reminiscent of. Uh, Westers, uh, so I wanted to get your your thoughts, your opinions on that, uh, and see what you had to say. Yeah, uh, real quick for the parasite thing, like real quick comment. I think people people will count as like his past and his his reputation in the media like against him, but dude, not nah. like once you get to talk to him, he's pure vibes. Um, no, I know it's just like it's just him and Temp. Like, oh, something I, is dude, that I know because Temp Temp is a is a pretty strong personality too. He gets hot headed too. Yeah, it's it's, I, you know, I think it, it's been interesting to see them like work together. That is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I actually uh, well, one one last point before before you mentioned I just I just found it interesting. Um personally I wasn't expecting this many pros to like hop straight into challengers right after you know they were dropped or benched or whatnot. Um mm-hmm. so I, I think it's it's quite interesting to see that um, them play and honestly I haven't seen any of them like they've obviously played very well, but I haven't seen any of them dominate challengers the way that maybe people expect them, which I think is just a so testament to how talented yeah, and how competitive yeah. the scene has gotten these days. So, uh, just one thing I want to note before, before you speak. But uh, sorry for interrupting. Uh, go good. ahead. Um, yeah. So for Easter, I mean, it's it's clearly all jokes. Um, I don't know who's behind the account, but I talked to to Phoenix about it, and he's like, I don't know who runs it either, but it's pure comedy. Um, yeah. If if we do get a friendly rivalry going, like I'm down for it because like realistically, with not a lot of uh orgs out there and challengers and not a lot of like twitter presence going there's not really anyone to interact with the way say like empire will be interacting with like london and mutineers and subliners uh, and rocker as we saw <laughs> on the timeline yeah. um yeah. but yeah they 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 do be stealing my flow and um <laughs> and uh the way i write my tweets but it's cool my my work speaks for itself and shout out to whoever's running that account because it's funny <laughs> I'm a, I'm a big Frank Sinatra fan, so I like the the tab video they posted, the, oh, the, was... our video that they reposted with a uh, New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, I Very saw nice. that was that was that was clever. I, I like that oh, a lot. Yeah. And I, I hope you see more of that. I think that especially with uh, this this season of Elite or this split or however you want to call it, I think it'll be a lot more interesting. I think with the last even even though West didn't win, um, Wester was clearly throughout most, uh, most of that season uh, ahead of the pack. And in this mm-hmm. case, I don't... Uh, and we're in, in this season, I don't think that's the case um, anymore. Obviously, Fantastic Four have looked really, really good. But with all the roster changes, who knows how they're going to perform when it comes to playoff time. Uh, Wester, Easter, BBG, I think all have a, a good shot at potentially taking it if they get hot. So I think... Wait, who's replacing Sandy? Sorry, I don't know if it was announced or not. Uh, it belie- Desi. I believe Desi's replacing him. If I, or Draza? I think it's Draza. It's Draza. Oh, okay. All right, makes sense. Yeah, Dra- yeah. Desi was playing with him. Yeah, Straza. Straza mm-hmm. is replacing them, so they're back together. But should be interesting. Um, I'm just checking in on the, the Western match right now. Looks like it's control just ended. Uh, but 
that should be interesting. Uh, do you guys have any other thoughts on the challenger scene or anything about the CDL teams you want to mention? Dude, my like big buzzword or more of a phrase this year is just like Call of Duty is no longer going to have like a, a rookie of the year so much as it's had a, a year of the rookie. Like <laughs> we've had, I mean, the, the saturation of, in, of talent like this year is just already insane and seeing it all come through to uh, to fruition in the league is even better. Um, last year, we didn't, we didn't really have like a lot of moves. It was what, like Mac coming in, Awakening coming in and off the top of my head, I, really, I can't really think of much. Um, of course, Illy and, and uh, Shotzi starting off as rookies, but um, this, the cycling of talent just speaks to how competitive the the leagues become with, of course, the two main factors, uh, f- this move to 4v4 and no expansion to uh, to balance it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we, we talked about why like pros are instantly hopping in the challenger circuit. It's because like they got to keep their practice, and it's kind of mm-hmm. them experimenting with different play styles, doing what they can't really do on a, on a pro level. Um but also, to some degree, being able to still be noticed. Uh, Parasite had a pretty lengthy response about it. Um, or there was a clip posted on the podcast account. Yeah, to Wuskin. Uh, yeah. About Wuskin, yeah, and just saying like, if Wuskin really wanted to, he could. Uh, he could alongside building up his brand and streaming and all that. It's like still be competing in challengers. So. Um, I, think he, I think he actually took his advice too. Yeah, he yeah, did. dude. He's, this is. He's, uh, he's now yeah. Cheat. Competing in uh, EU, I think. So. Wait, he is. Yeah, he tweeted uh, out he... saying uh, he's looking like for a team to need an AR. Oh, no, he's, he's already he's already found a team. I think it's with uh, oh, one really? of the top sixteen or thirty-two teams. Obviously, it's not going to be a strong team um, yeah. given that his lack of pro points and lack of time. But you know, I think Par- Parasite really had a point since uh, Wuskins now dove into the the EU challenger scene. I think there's one last thing. I mean, obviously, it's it's a really great point. Uh, you're the rookie. I really do like that. I saw that when you tweeted, and I 100% agree. I think with how much talent we've seen, you know, that that influx into the league. And I think the crazy thing to think about is the fact that Insight's the only EU player. I think if you know it wasn't for COVID and for visas, I do think we'd see even more players, specifically from the EU, guys like Nasty, um, you know, a guy like Harry, um, Afro. who are really talented. Afro, obviously, would yeah. I think would be on the starting roster by now um, uh-huh. on the London Royal Ravens team. Um, it's a real damn shame that they've been left out, and even a guy like Preden Apac, who I really oh, think is, is up there. Um, it's, an, it's really unfortunate that they don't get to be a part of this, because I, I definitely think we'd see more players, but um, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but yeah, you're the rookie. I 100% agree with that. Dude, it's just too easy to to improve this year, and that's not like that's not me saying, oh yeah, like as soon as you pick someone instantly, like oh you're good and you improve. But I think it's it's too easy to um to to find options of of potential ways to grow your team. Like, and I'm saying that because this is my first year following challengers. To be honest, I haven't followed challengers in the past, and like I've been busted the opportunity at Western and showed me like the other side to COD. That's honestly like a lot more detailed in talent, kind of like following a college football versus the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man, like it's, it's pretty cool. Um, but if a team like surge continues to struggle and they, they continue saying, Oh, we're just going to work on our roster. Like, no, nah, dude, that's, that's a, that's a huge face palm moment right there. Cause yeah. like, you've got, you've got guys like Zaptius out there. Right. <laughs> you've got guys like yeah. uh parasite. If you want experience and dude one thing i didn't even get to or i didn't remember to mention today is a ut crew no one's talking about them but um i i went i went on a rant about this on stream dude like if you look at the the standings for challengers this year there's only one clear third place option and that's ut crew 
that's behind either Wester or Subliners uh, Academy, but yeah, UT Crew has always gone either second or third to either of those teams. Um, and they've stayed together for most of the year. It's guys like Gentroid and Phantoms who have a lot of individual talent, and they're being overlooked because they don't have um, the biggest like outspoken performances. But mm-hmm. I think results speak for themselves. And if you look at UT Crew, dude, like there's no reason they shouldn't be uh, like in, in the spotlight right now. Yeah, no, there, there's there's something has to be said for their consistency. Obviously, Rex is also um, a very strong player for that roster. I think I think he's the in-game leader as well. So uh, he's done a great job with that team. Um, and yeah, I, I think like last year we saw teams like Seattle not make a move, not make a change for. Oh, they did! Oh, they did! They got Proto and Pender there. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like those guys, like no, no offense to Proto and Pender, they're obviously really talented and they're still competing at the top of challengers. But they, yep. they, like they were not Seattle's first option. Like, let's be honest. They were looking, as far as I remember, they're looking at guys like Mac um, as being that first option. And they just missed. They just didn't get on the, yep. get on the top of that. And as a result, they struggled and team like Paris didn't make a move all season. And they struggled. You have so much talent. There is no reason why you should be waiting. Um, as you clearly can see, if you wait, these guys are going to get scooped up and, you're gonna miss out. Then you, you because only the top eight teams make champs this year. You can't really afford to to have a slow start. But yeah, that's that's just my opinion on that that matter. All right. Well, with the with that, I think that wraps up our podcast. So yeah. thank you guys for listening. And uh, as always, it's great having you on, Gersh. We should do this more often for sure. Yeah, honestly, dude, love love being on here. Love you guys as well. Uh, it's just genuine vibes, and it's gonna be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice. great to have you, man. Obviously. You know, congrats on all the success you've been having. Really do look forward to seeing where you go because you know your career is only just getting started. Um, but yeah, thank you everyone for listening. You know, please like, subscribe, comment, let us know what you want to see uh, in the next one. And uh, yeah, see you guys later. See you later.